This is episode 29 of the Rhythm and Rhymes podcast. I'm your host, AJ Hughes. And by myself today, it is FAMU homecoming. So Antonio is out of commission. He will be back next week as usual. But I got a couple topics I want to talk about. I want to start with the fact that I think Playboy Cardi is the reason hip hop is in shambles right now. And by shambles, I'm just talking about the mainstream, the popular, right? And before people jump on my line saying that I'm just a hater of Playboy Cardi, I used to be a Playboy Cardi fan. There is tons and tons and tons and tons of video of me and Antonio listening to that first Playboy Cardi album with Magnolia and Woke Up Like This. Like there's tons of it. And I feel like during that time, it was more of like he had rock influences, but it was like soft rock and it wasn't too crazy. You know what I'm saying? Him and Lil Uzi led the way for that, that sound, like 2016 to 2018. You know what I'm saying? I was like one of Playboy Cardi's biggest fans at that time. Um, when I went to Lollapalooza, I remember waiting a couple hours trying to see him and Uzi. Didn't happen. I had some other stuff going on, which I can get into at another time. But I just remember at that time being a big fan and then Whole Lotta Red drop. And I just remember I've never listened to Whole Lotta, Whole Lotta Red start to finish. Antonio has, and Antonio likes it a lot, but I just remember the first couple songs just being completely turned off by it. Like, I didn't want to listen to it. It was just that hardcore metal type of rap that I think was in a lot of Uzi's last project. You know what I'm saying? I didn't make it through that entirely. It's not the best sounding to the ear. So it's not something I'm definitely trying to go back to or just like be bumping on a day to day. I don't see myself driving around to it. I don't see myself walking around a car in it. I'm not going to go moshing to it. So that's just not really my vibe. And when I look at the state of hip hop today, a lot of it is that is a bad imitation of that or a different imitation of that, right? I don't want to say bad because it's just not for me, as I've clearly stated. But I think when you think of like Ken Carson, Yeet, I'm just saying that genre of music is what is that's what rap is today. That's what mainstream rap appears to be today or that's where it feels like it's headed, right? And I wonder if this is like, I don't wanna say the natural progression of music, but I wonder if like once genres start heading into their, I guess like their uh, golden era, like the end of, of an era, I feel like what if they all start to turn this way, right? Like if you look at the end of rock and roll right before hip hop, it sort of had like the metal grunge sound towards the end and I wonder if this is just a signaling of like where we're at in hip hop. You know what I'm saying? I don't think hip hop is dead by any means. Like I used to say that a lot. I was somebody who was willing to sort of die on that hill, but I think it's just evolved into something else and something a lot more global. And it's just packaged differently. And it just sounds a little bit different, but I don't think hip hop is dead. I just think in the mainstream US right now, this is what we're looking at. And being somebody who used to be a Playboy Cardi fan, I just find it funny that somebody I was a fan of has turned it into something I don't really like anymore. So I, maybe I'll give play, some of Playboy Cardi stuff another listen. He's supposed to drop pretty soon. So if he drops again, maybe that'll give me an excuse to get into that. But I doubt that that will ever really rub off on me. Like, I don't get it. You know what I mean? I tried to get it, being somebody who listened to it prior, but I just don't get it. I will say, though, in the rock rap-esque genre, I do like Tizo Touchdown. I feel like his sound is a lot different and I don't think it's completely rap, right? Like, I think there's a lot more melodies in his shit and it makes it more appealing to me. Him, 
Tom the Mailman. I like him a lot. I haven't really heard any of his new stuff, but like a year or two ago, he's putting out a lot of stuff that I really enjoy. Those are two people in that lane that I can say I do enjoy and that I will listen to. But overall, it's not something that I'm really excited about, if that makes any sense, right? Like that, the trap wave, the trap wave, you get something every now and then, but also not really my cup of tea. I just feel like the trap wave is very repetitive. You know what I mean? Like when I look at the sounds in the mainstream, like there's so many movements going on at the same time. And a lot of them just aren't appealing to me, right? A lot of them aren't stuff I listen to on a day to day. I'm not saying it's completely like there's something out there for everybody, which is great. But this new stuff is just something that just doesn't make any sense to me. And I wonder how it'll hold up in five to 10 years. Like who's going to really be listening to Whole Lot of Red in 10 years? Who's going to really be listening to like, who's going to listen to Sexy Red in 10 years? That'll be interesting. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the girl, what, I don't even know what you would consider that. Like the, I don't want to call her ratchet, but the hood girl wave, like who's going to be listening to that in 10 years? How many of these artists have staying power? I wonder, I don't know. There was an article I read earlier this week on Variety about hypnosis. Uh, This article is in Variety, but hypnosis song investors vote overwhelmingly for reorganization and reject 440 million catalog sales. Hypnosis Songs Fund, the company that led the music catalog gold rush of recent years by spending more than $2 billion on song assets by Neil Young, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and more is facing an uncertain future as some 83% of its investors voted Thursday that a new board make structural changes to the overextended companies. Investors also reject the proposal of its leadership to shore up finances by selling off around $440 million of its 65000 song catalog to a sister fund backed by Blackstone. Basically what happened, their stock, like the fund price, the stock price dropped almost 50%, I think, in the last year. And so why this is interesting is because the royalties that are in this fund, like that they own and that they're getting money back on, dropped from $21.7 million to $9.9 million in the span of, 2020, of 2018 to 2022. And I found this interesting because when everybody was selling their rights, it was obvious that the people buying the rights saw some type of value, at least over a long enough period of time to purchase this as an asset, right? And I I saw the numbers that people were buying them for, and it made me wonder, like, how are you going to monetize this to justify what you're spending on it, right? This fund is interesting because I feel like a lot of the artists in these are legacy acts, right? Which leads me to wonder, like, okay, Neil Young is an older act, so I would assume a lot of his fans are older. It's like once they start aging and listening to music less, because I feel like that is a progression of people right? Everybody I know, as they get older, they listen to less music. What does that mean for the catalog, right? Like it might still hold up, it might still generate money, but does it justify the 500, 600, 700 million dollars that these funds were giving these artists? I don't know. And so now they're looking for a reorganization and a way to make more money. I just wonder like the people in charge of these companies, how many of them are aware enough of how to generate the money out of it, right? Like, is this a long-term game that you can win as a fund investing in like big groups like this? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? This is still fairly new and something that we're still seeing the effects of, but for the, um, the royalties by themselves to drop that much in four years, it doesn't look good for that fund. 
So it was just something I wanted to keep an eye on because I, I do find it interesting that artists are selling their catalogs for cash. You know what I'm saying? They might have sold it at the right time. If we're looking at it, it might've been a good deal, but I don't know too much about this. And I would love to get to know more about this, right? Like a lot of these topics I bring on here are stuff I'm curious about and stuff I want to know more about. So I'd be interested to see like if I could get somebody on that I could talk to about that, that knows more about it than I do, right? Because we're just getting very surface level information on how much they're making, how much each catalog is worth, how much each song is generating, you know what I mean? Like we only have so much information based off these articles. I briefly wanted to talk about um, house music, right? I have, a, I have a belief that house music is making a comeback or a resurgence or it's becoming more popular, one of the three. I'm still trying to figure that out. But I do think house music is making its way into the mainstream in a big way. And I think this is for a couple of reasons, right? Like the main reason for me, I think a lot of the music now is very fast food, right? It doesn't really hold up and it doesn't really like, isn't something people want to listen to all the time, right? They listen to it a couple of times and then after a couple of weeks, they kind of forget about it. And I think that's having more people look outside of rap, R&B, more vocal based music to alternative music that's more based on the instrumentation, the beats, the rhythm, the sounds, right? I first started noticing this within myself when I started listening to a lot of On My Piano, right? Like the last year, I've been listening to a ton of On My Piano, Uncle Waffles, DJ, DJ Matt Farissa. I've talked about him on here a lot. And I think that this is going to become something way more popular. And something I noticed um, as I started listening to it more, the reasons I liked it were things that I wasn't finding in rap, right? Or in the music I was listening to on a regular basis, right? I think my first introduction into dance house music like that was Keitronada. Keitronada is probably my favorite producer. I don't want to say of all time, but in the current moment, if I had to pick one producer, I can just listen to his whole catalog. It would definitely be Keitronada. And I feel like DJ producers have an advantage over other producers, whereas like they are in these settings where they're seeing how people react to the music, right? And so I feel like the bounce and the rhythms that they use in their beats are completely different than somebody that's like a rap producer that doesn't really get out and DJ like that. And I think that a lot of house DJs, that's what they're making it for. They're making it for people to react to it. And so the last couple of days, I started going down a rabbit hole, watching a bunch of documentaries on YouTube, looking around, trying to just learn more about it, right? And what I've gathered so far was that house music started in the 80s in Chicago. And why this is interesting to me, so interesting was because in the doc that I was watching on Channel 4, they were talking about the club, the warehouse where it started. They were talking about the DJs that started it. And it was funny because they were showing places I had been before, obviously. Like I went to school in Chicago my freshman and my senior year. Um, I grew up an hour from there. So I knew a lot of the areas they were showing. And it was funny because I was like, let me text my mom. My mom is from Gary, Indiana. So I was like, let me text my mom and see if she had any interactions with this, like with uh, house music at that time. Because my mom... Um, around that time, she would have been around in her teenage years, right? Like in the eighties and stuff like that. And so I text her and all I said was, did you go to any house parties, uh, growing up? Right. Like she stayed probably 30, 40 minutes from Chicago and Gary and stuff like that. So I was just curious. And she said she had been to the warehouse. Uh, she said she had been there when she was younger. She'd been to a couple clubs and stuff like that. And I found that interesting just to show how like the wave that it had on people as close as my mom, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
And right now I'm diving into the connections that it had throughout the diaspora, right? Like that documentary, I'll throw it up on the screen so people could find it. It was very interesting because it just showed like how the movement of the sound started. Like it started moving to London and I'm on piano, which is a, it's a subgenre of Kweto music, which is a type of South African house music, which came, it came to fruition after Nelson Mandela was freed from prison, right? And it was very politically and actively charged, Kweto music was. And something interesting I found out about that too was that because they couldn't get the licenses and the copyrights for the American house music and the American uh, dance music that was coming over, they had to just slow it down, pitch it down, speed it up, pitch it up so that they wouldn't get like fined or whatever on the radio when they were out playing it out. And so that's why their music, like Cueto, was a little bit slower than like house music in Chicago. And I, I think this stuff is, this is the stuff that makes it interesting because you start to see patterns in how genres are formed and how sounds evolve and stuff like that. Like I looked heavily into Dembo for like a couple months last year and I'm trying to do this more with the production side of it, just so I have more of an understanding. Cause I feel like you just, it's interesting to understand why you like something, right? Like why I like a dance hall record and a reggaeton record, why, why they're similar, why I like an Afrobeats record, right? Um, that's stuff I love sharing with people and stuff I love learning about. And so as I dive into house music, there will definitely be more stuff about house music on this page, especially in November. Let's get into what dropped this week. This week, a lot of music dropped. First, uh, Mr. Easy dropped his debut album, Evil Genius. Mr. Easy is an artist I found very interesting over the last couple of years for a couple of reasons, right? Like my first time listening to a Mr. Easy song was on a J Balvin album, right? And he produced on that record. And at the time, that's when I was diving into reggaeton and I was learning about the overlaps between reggaeton and Afrobeats. And so Mr. Easy has been sort of just like in the peripheral dropping singles and his, um, his label, I don't know if it's a label or a company, music company, Empower, um, one of his artists on there is Joe Boy, who I'm a big fan of. So I definitely gave this album a couple of listens over the weekend. And I will say, this is a very cohesive album, right? Like it's very rare that you find an album that is able to flow together and have completely different sounds. Like from the beginning to the end, there was a lot of different, uh, types of production through here. Kelpie Vibes is one of the bigger producers on this project. He's one of my favorite Afrobeats producers. I feel like he's the one that people go to when they're looking for like a great beat. Um, Tonio calls, Tonio says like, he'll call him hot sauce, right? They put it on everything. And anything Kelpie Vibes touches is definitely a bop. Um, off the first couple of listens, I will say my first favorites I always say this, my first favorites are never the last favorites. You listen to it on the first time, by 10, you have a completely different favorite. But of the first couple listens, um, Chop Time, No Friend, Show Them, and then Zuzu Lakate with Joe Boy. Those are my three favorite songs so far off the first couple listens. Now, my favorite project of this weekend, Black Bones and Mecca Must Shine. Black Bones has become one of my favorite rappers, period, of any continent, of any country. And I think that this is what a new, uh, this is what a new age MC is going to start to look like, right? It's not going to look like somebody from New York, hat backwards, spitting the 32 over a DJ premiere beat. This is what a new, ra a new age rapper is going to start to look like, right? This project 
was something that I didn't know was coming until the beginning of the week, but he had dropped a couple of singles off of this that I really love, right? He had dropped uh, Like Ice Spice, which is one of my favorite songs of the year. He dropped um, Bezos, and then he dropped Cinderella Girl early and Bad Till Eternity. That one dropped a couple of weeks ago. And I love a bunch of songs on here, right? The, the whole album is 14 songs and 36 minutes. Um, and the features on here, I'm so surprised he was able to get all of these features, honestly. Uh, he has Black Sheriff, Projects, Jarek, Victini, Odumodubak, M24, Zlatan, Young John, and Ludacris. Uh, very interesting sounding album, right? Like I will say something I appreciated about Afrobeats MCs is that they balance the melodies and the raps a lot better than I feel like people over here do it, right? Like there are some people over here that like do the back and forth really well. I would say Blast is really good at that. Um, Wale is really good at that. There's two examples to give you. But I think over there, their melodies are so, they're just distinct and different. They're just way different than what we hear here. You know what I'm saying? And so I feel like his melodies throughout the album are really good. Like I Spice is a crazy song. That song is crazy. But off of the new songs that I hadn't heard prior to the album coming out, I would say uh, Masquerade uh, featuring M24. I really like that one. Shine Forever. That's a, It feels more like an interlude than anything, but I like that one. Um, but outside of that, the songs I like most on this project are Like I Spice and Bad to Eternity, which we got prior. Uh, Nyjah Shawty, that one with Victini is dope. Um, Odumodu Black. The thing I appreciate about him is like, I, I'm dying for some bars, but like real rap bars. You know what I'm saying? And Odumodu Black is going to give you a little ballad or a melody. And you know what I'm saying? Like the fact that he is that versatile, you have to appreciate it. But every time I see his name, I'm like, bro, I just want you to rap. I just want you to rap. But anyway, this project was really good. You know what I'm saying? If you like rap and you're looking for what the future of rap is going to look like, definitely check out Emeka Must Shine by Black Bones. And then what else do we have project-wise? Of course, this probably should have been what I led with. Ravage EP, five songs. I... I see everybody on the internet talking about how Rema is, he's the chosen one, he's the next one up. And I do feel like it's too early to be saying that, but I do think he is one of the premier artists in Afrobeats right now, right? It's, I think it's way too early to say he's surpassed or he's going to pass like a Wizkid or a Burna Boy, in my opinion. But right now, he's as hot as fish grease, bro. And this project is very interesting for a couple of reasons, right? Like it's five songs and it's, I think, 14 minutes long. And each song sounds very different. Each song sounds very different, right? My favorite song off of here so far is Smooth Criminal. My second favorite song is D&D, but I do like the other three songs. They're pretty solid. And I think what people are, what draws people to Rema is that he doesn't sound like anybody else. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't even sound like himself. I don't want to say he doesn't sound like himself. He sounds completely different on every single song on this project, which is very rare. You know what I'm saying? It's very rare that you find an artist that doesn't sound exactly the same on every, on every song. And those are the ones that people usually end up leaning to in the long term, right? They're very versatile. They have a ton of different bags to get into. 
I think that's also important, right? Like if you have the same sound and you're just completely doing the same sound over and over again, then people are going to get tired of you at some point. I think at some point they will get tired of you or they will get bored. But Remon doesn't have that problem. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's clear that everybody, especially at the label, thinks Remma's a star. Um, I think he's in some way working with Universal. I don't know the ins and outs of that deal, but I do know he is in ties with Universal. Um, he's been working with a lot of different collaborators in different spaces, right? Like he just released a song with Ice Spice a bit ago. He released a song with Feed a bit ago. Um, and that just shows you what everybody else thinks of him. And I think rightfully so, if you have to pick out of this new crop of, of artists, the one that's probably primed for superstardom, it's probably him. And then you also got Ashake. Um, I throw Benson in there. I always throw Benson in there because he's one of my favorites. But right now, Rema is the, at the forefront of this. And I think he's doing what people love with Afrobeats. Like his melodies on here were really dope. Um, the production on here, bro. I'm pretty sure London produced on every on every track. Let me double check. Okay, Smooth Criminal was produced by London and P Prime. Uh, DND was produced by P Prime, and then what I also like Don't Leave and P Prime produced that. So P Prime, somebody I'm not really aware of, but London is the Maven Records producer, right? He's on almost I don't say almost every beat. He's on every project for sure. But this is definitely a solid project. Go check it out. This is definitely new age Afrobeats. It sounds completely unlike anything I've ever heard before. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then there were two singles I wanted y'all to go check out as well. Uni, Counting Thunder. She's like a soul R&B type of artist. I love her voice. And as I said on here before, I love a good beat switch, right? A good beat switch is going to keep me engaged in the song. And this one, I think, has two of them. Um, I would check that out if you're looking for something soul-like. And then Adekunle Gold released the remix, Party No Day Stop, featuring Baya Messiah and J.O. This is interesting for a couple of reasons, right? It's a solid remix. I don't know if there are certain remixes where it's like, it's going to introduce it to a new artist. It's not for me. It's for somebody else to find it. So I get it. But I also think, I also wonder if Adekunle Gold did the remix on this one, partially because of what was going on with Naira Marley. I know the, um, how do you pronounce the guy? Uh, was it Zinoliski? The guy on the original version of Party No Day Stop, he was signed to Naira Marley. And I know that he had a bunch of like legal troubles that I don't really want to get into, but it was clear that he was tied in because he's on the list. And so I wonder if they did the remix to sort of like not edge that out, but take light off of the original. You know what I'm saying? I feel like they do that a lot. But uh, yeah, it's solid. You know what I'm saying? If you didn't hear Party No Day Stop, the first version, this one's cool too. You know what I'm saying? I'm, Byron Messiah is clearly just being put on everybody's projects right now because he's primed for whatever his next release is. You know what I'm saying? He's supposed to be on Chris Brown's new album, uh, which comes out on November 11th. And I am a fan of him. You know what I'm saying? Shout out St. Kitts. If you know, you know. But um, yeah, those are the only two singles I really had to get into. That was all I really had for new music. You know what I'm saying? Um, Brent Fires dropped, and I will get into it. But as I said before, I'm going to say it on here too. Does anybody find it funny that this album by Brent Fires is called Larger Than Life? 
and the cover looks like Twice as Tall by Burner Boy, which came out, I think, four years ago now. You don't find that suspicious. You don't find that suspicious. You don't find that suspicious. Nobody said anything about this but me. And I just find it funny that that's the name of the out. Like, I don't know, bro. It feels like he's biting it. It don't, I know it's not going to sound like it, but the concept feels like he's biting it. And I don't hear nobody talking about it. Am I tweaking? I don't know. I don't know. But song this week that I'm going to give y'all, actually something I found on TikTok. You know what I'm saying? I don't really find things on TikTok very frequently, but I'm going to give y'all this. Honey Bun by Leo Stay True. This is a drill, UK drill song. I don't have much to say about it, bro. It's just fire. Who's that? Skin tone, same color as honey bun. Spit game to the girl, man. Hurry up. Fuck that. Man, I'm really on a money run. I don't know love. Come show me what it's really about. I'm a young dog. That's all I really have for y'all this week. Do you think Rema is primed for superstardom? That's my question this week. Do you think Rema is primed for superstardom? I would like to know. We'll see y'all next week.